What is up, everybody, and long time no talk. This is the first episode that I'm recording on the podcast in probably about six months. And this is a unique episode. It's going to be a solo episode, not too long, but I'm going to be giving an update on what has happened with my health. And more importantly, and the main focus of today is going to just be sharing the lessons that I've been learning over the past six months, everything from acceptance and letting go to my self-worth, my identity, all of these parts, I think, of the human condition that fascinate me. And um, you know, regardless of what your situation is, I hope that some of the things that I'm going through um, can resonate with you. And yeah, so I'm going to dive in. October 17th, 2019 was the day that everything changed for me. I thought it was just going to be another day. I remember waking up and I did feel a little off that morning and kind of surfed, worked, kind of pushed through the day. Again, it was kind of in my head like usual, go, go, go. And around two o'clock in the afternoon, came home and was preparing. We were going to leave for an event at three. So I was going to do a little cold plunge and relax. And all of a sudden, I started really not feeling good. And it felt like a fever and a flu were coming on that evening. And that is exactly what happened, except that I started feeling extreme fatigue. Over the next few days, um, the flu-like symptoms started going away, but I was left with some odd symptoms of extreme fatigue, waking up uh, between 2 and 4 a.m. pretty much every morning, and just feeling awful, like a type, and when I say fatigue, right, like, I get it, everyone is tired and fatigued these days, like, whatever you're doing, but the fatigue I'm talking about is like a level of fatigue that I would not have been able to comprehend if it wasn't for this experience. It's like a feeling of you literally can't get up, or it's a feeling, like, I feel this, like, pulsing in my temples of literally, like, so tired and just, like, this headache, and it's not, like, it's not like you're tired from working out. It's just this like general fatigue. Like I remember about two weeks after this happened, I went to the grocery store on a Sunday and I came home and I started crying because I was so tired from just going to the grocery store. So again, there was the fatigue and a couple other things. And I thought I just burned out from work. Um, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. Like when all of this happened, I was, I would say the happiest I'd ever been in my life. And that being said, the week, the week and a half leading up to this, I was really stressed from work. We had grown tremendously. We were hitting big numbers. The company was at like almost 30 people. And I remember really feeling it and feeling just the stress of making sure to hit these goals and whatever. And so looking back, I think knowing what I know now, which to fast forward a bit, I mean, I spent the next five months, I thought it was just adrenal fatigue. Uh, you know, I was just stressed out. I thought I burned out. And then I remember having a pretty awful week in December, like the worst week of my life, actually. Uh, just the symptoms flared up so intensely, and it was the most strange experience. And then I went to this Joe Dispenza retreat in early February. And if you're not familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's he's pretty ahead of his time. He's teaching some pretty remarkable and radical teachings on the power of the mind and body to heal the body and also just basically quantum physics, really. And he's just so ahead and teaching his teaching or teachings are blowing up. So I went to this retreat, I got in last minute, which is rare, because this thing sell out in like five minutes. And this is where I think um, part of it was my naive young self is that 
I, I had been doing these meditations pretty religiously for the six weeks prior to that, like an hour every day really like believing and choosing that I was going to heal. And then I went to his event, which is intense. You wake up at, you know, you start at 6 a.m. every day, two or three of the days you start at 4 a.m., three of the days you do four and a half hour meditations. And they're just long days. And I pushed and I felt like shit. And I really pushed myself to really just go for it. And I remember I cried twice there because I was so tired and felt so bad. But I was just pushing. And I really just thought I, I thought I could just like magically heal myself. Because again, you do hear stories of people healing themselves. There was a woman there who walked out of her wheelchair um, who hadn't gotten out of it for years as she is going through Parkinson's. So there are miracles that happen. It's just and a, a truth that I know in my own life is you can't expect, like putting pressure on something and expecting it is like a surefire way to make it not happen and especially in a mystical experience like in my in my experience all the best things that are a bit out of my control they don't happen when I'm like putting that energy of like almost holding it like expecting it it happens when I truly trust the process commit to the moment and don't have an expectation like a high intention but no expectation so after that event I got a really bad flu and that was where after that week, that was one of the worst weeks I've had as well. Because on well, on one hand, I was bedridden with an awful flu. But almost worse was just the emotional pain of realizing I had taken a break from work. And, you know, up until this point, I'd been building this company with Taylor, my partner, um, from zero. Like, we built this company from zero. We traveled the world together. We really started from nothing to build a company, like I said, at the peak was like 30 people. Um, I put my heart and soul into it. And I took a break for about two months, again, thinking I was just going to be fine, just needed some time off. Tried working like 10 hours a week at the end of January. And it just wasn't working. And so the realization that work was ending, that I wasn't going to be working was really painful for me. Also, the idea of maybe being on disability. Again, these are things that really hurt my ego. Um, and I'm still working through this because I'm like, for whatever reason, uh, I think especially ever since I dropped out of college, I've always put like this tremendous pressure on myself. Actually, that's not true. I've been doing this since I was like a little kid. Um, I remember even as like a five and six year old, as I started getting into like competitive soccer, even seven, eight, I would like have these almost panic attacks. Again, at the time, I didn't know it was anxiety or panic attacks where I would almost like People thought I had like asthma or something. My parents thought I might have asthma because I would just start wheezing and go off the field. And in reality, I was just scared to fuck up. Um, and I remember this. And it's a really weird feeling because that I've done a lot of reflection and like self work over the past six months, really thinking about my life and how, you know, I played a role in whatever I've developed, um, which is essentially they call it chronic Lyme. On another note, I hate the fact they call it that because I don't like saying I have chronic anything. My body's going through this. But anyways, I'm going on a tangent. Back to it. This feeling uh, that I've had since a little, like even when I got good grades in school and like when I would perform and even working with Taylor and so many of the things I've done in my life, and not all, but a lot of the things like come from this feeling, a place of not wanting to mess up. And that is a stressful place to be in because instead of coming from a place of I'm going to just give it the best I have and because I care about this, coming from a place of not wanting to mess up creates a lot of stress. <laughs> it creates a lot of anxiety because you're always, it's almost like this perfectionist mindset. And I could see, you know, over the years how that's built up into 
elements of my personality, again, some are like great qualities and then some are like the shadow side of why do I care so much about what people think? It's because there's this part of me that fears about messing up. And if I mess up, then what's going to happen? I'm going to be rejected. I'm not going to be loved. I'll be kicked out. I'm not sure exactly where it stems from, but I know it's been present. So, and I, I think a little bit beyond that is I just started building kind of a public identity when I was 18 um, from my blogging, writing my book, giving speeches, giving a TED Talk, and just kind of this feeling again of like I dropped out of college, I took a different path, and this feeling like I always had to be something and do something great. And again, I talk about, I'm bringing up the shadow side because there is genuinely, altruistically, the part of me that loves everything I've done and loves building and creating and paving my own path. And I'm really like focusing here also on the other parts, the shadow, like I said, that are not always easy to look at. So I'm like from an ego standpoint, yeah, it felt good to like be this guy who like helped start a company and was doing all these things in my personality type. Like I like to be busy. I like to have a bunch of different things going on. My days were pretty crazy. That being said, that week after the Joe Dispenza thing, after I had the flu, I just remember feeling like, and I ended up talking with Taylor, and it was a mutual decision to split because I could no longer work. And the company was also going through a lot of shifts and changes with the whole coronavirus thing coming on. So it was just a painful week of letting go. And and again, it wasn't just, it was like ending a relationship in a way, or transitioning, I should say, with Taylor, who was like my bro, my mentor, my best friend for two and a half years. Like we traveled to, I don't know, like six or seven countries together. Um, went through so many experiences, like sat in plant medicine ceremonies. So he became someone really important and close to me in my life. And so it was kind of acknowledging that that chapter was over, that also the part where the company was over, that I might not be working for a while, fear of how am I going to pay my bills, fear of I might have to move home, which again, these are things that might actually happen. And again, just this letting go and acceptance process throughout the past six months so far have been freaking brutal. Like I think, and I know there's books on letting go and acceptance and it's, it's not this like place you arrive at in my experience, like letting go and acceptance of your situation is something you have to go through almost on a daily basis. Um, and I'm still going through it. And I think I've done a good job thus far of letting go. You know, there were so many things right when this thing started. And if you've read some of my posts about, uh, and on Facebook, I wrote about, you know, I was dating this girl, and that was the first time I'd ever felt like this kind of connection. And I remember that kind of fell apart. Or, you know, and I don't know if it was exactly due to the health, but it was just all at the same time. It was letting go of that. Letting go of my physical identity has been hard in the sense of I was in really good physical shape. I had a six pack. And like it felt, it feels good to feel and look good, you know? Like I don't care how spiritual or unspiritual you are when you feel good in your body that is a damn good feeling and I haven't really been able to work out for like six months and yeah I'm not like fat and um you know thankfully I still have many elements of my or my physical appearance that look okay it's just again it's it's really the feeling like the feeling of progress the feeling of pushing myself and working out and that progression of working towards something of like sculpting a body but also feeling good letting go of that um, letting go again of this identity of Jake Heilbrunn as I've known him and 
Why I think it's important to let go of this identity is I think holding on to it actually causes more pain than than good. And what I mean by that is I, again, so the diagnosis, my body is going through, um, they call it like chronic Lyme. Uh, I know my body's fighting some sort of virus because of certain tests, likely certain parasites, other things that have just been hard to like necessarily identify um, in terms of like the the testing. And I've done more blood work and testing than I think most people will do in their life in the past six months. So, you know, it's this weird, I'm in this very interesting place that I know a lot of people have been in where I'm going through this physical um, quote unquote illness and I have no idea how long it's going to last. And what I do know is it's um, probably not going to just solve itself overnight. Uh, Six months in and realistically this could be going on for another you know, few years is like, even saying that, I kind of like feel my insides cringe, but that's the reality is it could be like that. I could start feeling better in a few months and that's where I'm hopeful. And again, the acceptance part of me needs to be okay with this being longer. And why I say needs to is because holding on to this identity of myself and all the things that I was, yet with my current reality where I'm not able to do a lot of those things, that creates extreme dissonance and that dissonance is extremely anxiety provoking because I, in many ways, you know, I I felt like I was getting love from the things that I was doing. And this is kind of true. Like why do kids want to perform hard? And like, why did I feel this feeling of not wanting to fuck up? Who knows? I'm going to kind of like go into some like psychology studies, but you know, when you're young, like anything that makes you feel approval or acceptance or love, you're going to keep doing because that's how you feel like you're getting love. And so I've always been one of the ways that I've chosen to do that in my life is pursuing, you know, tasks and doing things that are cool or whatever. And like, I get love from that. So whether it's performing on the soccer field when I'm a kid and not fucking up, like I get praise and acknowledgement for that. Or whether it's getting like a 4.0 and being a vice president of my class, I get praise and acknowledgement. Whether it's speaking, building a company, it's like I built this like version of myself that's like, oh, like I'm this guy and it feels good to be seen in this way. Which again, of course, is like hiding some massive insecurities I have of who am I as just the being that is Jake, quote unquote. And that is something I've sat a lot with and I'm still working through because, again, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this position um, and I don't know how long I'm going to be feeling down and I'm trying my best to just accept it. And this is actually something I've been thinking a lot about is just this balance of dreams versus acceptance. And this is also where, you know, if you if you ever heard someone say everything happens for a reason, does everything happen for a reason? Honestly, I don't know. I don't, I have a hard time believing there's this pre-written life that all of us have lived because it, it to me it a little bit under undermines free will but here's what I do believe everything happens and it's up to us to put a reason to it because if we do not choose a reason for the things that are happening in our life then we we kind of just become subject to the randomness of the universe and also becoming sort of a victim with a victim mentality with the belief that I have that everything happens and I'm choosing the reason, so everything does happen for a reason, I'm just choosing the reason for myself, it does put me in a bit of a driver's seat and in a bit of optimism that everything is happening. And I can say with a, without, an, um, without a neck of doubt that, I don't even know if that's like a, a, a saying, but without doubt 
that the path I was on, while yes, I loved the people I worked with, I loved the freedom, I loved building something, I loved my lifestyle, I did not really care about what I was building. And I certainly didn't care, and I did not enjoy my job, which I was more on the back end. Taylor was uh, more the front end personality because, you know, oftentimes in business, there's just one person who's like the front man. And I'm not really a back end type of guy. And it's funny because I've noticed how I've fallen into this exact kind of situation three times. My first mentor was this guy, Jake Ducey, and I was learning from him and, again, working in the back. Um, I worked with a guy named Xander Fryer, same thing, working in the back. I worked at another company doing stuff in the back and then with Taylor in the back. And, again, yes, I know I'm young and I'm, and I'm choosing to learn from these, stand on the shoulders of these quote-unquote giants. Um, and it's been this, like, interesting thought that I've had that the universe is almost like pulling me away from the situation and saying it's time when you go back to really to shift and step into who you are and, and what you know you can produce. Um, because for me, I just want to be able to use my voice as in my career, my speaking, my writing, um, you know, whether it's scripting videos, hosting in, I'm just in the flow state when I create content and use my voice. And I think I know I wasn't doing that enough um, because that's what I want to do. And of course, then there's, there's, there's the part of me that's like, well, even if I can't have or create the job or whatever that is that full time, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to, to get myself on the trajectory of doing that full time because it's what lights me up. And I'll, and I'll tie back into that later in terms of why I'm getting back into the podcast. Anyways, <laughs> I've been going on a lot of tangents here, but um, everything happens for a reason. I really do believe that this experience is teaching me something and that it's leading me into the direction I'm supposed to be going. Don't get me wrong. I have, right now, it's 9.35 a.m. This is the peak energy I have every day between basically 8.30 and like 12 p.m. Um, and on good days. So my energy beyond this often gets destroyed and I have a coffee which is helping me. So I, I only have like two to three hours a day where I actually feel up to like creating something. And so that's where I decided that I'm going to start doing the podcast again because it just makes me happy. And it's been really challenging not having a feeling or a sense of purpose. I'm like a routine type of guy. I went from waking up at 5.30 every day to like surfing in the morning, doing a meditation and gratitude, the whole routine. I had a whole routine before like 8.30 a.m., before most people are even like, you know, getting in the shower. So going from that to just kind of waking up and embracing this phase of not routine or non-routine, I should say, and going easy, and it's not exactly relaxing because I don't feel good, physically, but it's been a shift nonetheless. So the podcast, I've been kind of percolating on this for the past few months. And, you know, I started it with just doing in-person interviews. And I'm gonna, obviously, with the coronavirus too, shift to doing interviews online. Because I love I love this. And one of the things that's given me more hope is I've been reading a few books. I'm reading Autobiography of Malcolm X right now. I read this great book called Denali by this guy Ben Moon. Just reading about people, like reading about people's stories and how they've overcome things in their life has been one of the most important things for me in my mental health, which totally ties into my physical health. So I think the idea of interviewing people, that sounds fascinating for me. Again, it puts me into that flow state, also giving me hope is something that I'm I'm going to do again. And it's unbelievable how much I've gotten in my head about it. And again, I have like, I'm really sitting with like why I feel this like egoic pressure sometimes of, oh, but like what are people going to think of this or that? 
and in terms of starting the podcast or like, what if it's not done right? And I've all this bullshit that just spews in my head. And it's like, dude, you enjoy doing this podcast. You enjoy talking with people and just, you know, sitting down, having conversations, shooting the shit about life and death and meaning and purpose and all the different things. So why don't you just do the thing that makes you feel good? And <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Um, and and, I, and a part of the reason I think about this too is I ha- I've been having a hard time um, dreaming. And what I say by that is like part of me dreams about this life that I want to live. And I've been doing this for years, journaling, and a lot of my things have come true. But dreaming of like living on a house with a bunch of guys on the beach um, and, you know, creating basically being a full-time creator as my life. And I want to create stories and interview fascinating people and, you know, all different mediums of podcasting and, and di- diving into video. So that's like a vision I have. And I, and I can't help it. Sometimes my mind, it just plays strategic chess like all the time. Like, oh, like this podcast will help me craft this tool to lead to that, which I think it will. Um, and it's like why I, I sometimes just want to turn off that strategic side of my brain, which is always trying to plan ahead and like know how things are going to work out and just enjoy the process of doing these podcasts because I love them. So that's why I'm doing the podcast, and the next two episodes with Guy and Jennifer are going to be a podcast that I actually recorded back in October, and I promise you they're still as relevant. In fact, they're almost, it's almost eerie because Guy predicts the coronavirus is going to happen, which is kind of nuts in a different – in a little bit, like, you know, not the coronavirus itself, but something was going to happen. And I think if you're like me at all sick of some of these coronavirus uh just post, like, it would be nice to just hear some stories and interesting people beyond that context. So that's why I'm doing the podcast. And I just want to talk about one or two other things uh, before I sign off today. One being that this experience for me has definitely shown me what matters in life, which is the top two for me are health and relationships. There's a quote from Tony Robbins I love. He says, when you're healthy, you have a million wishes. When you're not, you have one which of course is to be healthy. And I can't agree more. I would give away every possession and penny I own to be fully healthy. And it really does put into perspective, like, you know, as all the stuff that I'm saying with my ego and all these things, I would be the happiest person in the world to work at McDonald's right now if that could just mean I, I felt healthy and was healthy. So this experience has definitely taught me, again, with all the pressure I would put on myself, like, wow, it doesn't even matter. Like, without your health, nothing matters. And, you know, number two is relationships. And I had good relationships before this, but it just made me realize, especially my family has been there so much for me and so many friends and amazing people. But like, you know, as my work kind of disintegrated, and which was a huge part of my life, like there are people who are, and my, as my health and work have kind of disintegrated, the people in my life are there for me. And that's been a huge lesson because no matter my, you know, work is going to evolve and shift throughout my life and health, you know, it's uncertain that might evolve and shift throughout my life. So what are the constants? What are the the foundations and the backbones that we can have who can hold us high and hold us when we're low throughout our life? And that's the relationships that people we have in our life. So that's just been a huge lesson here. And I think one of the silver linings when I look back on this is I've spent so much time with my little sister, Bella. Uh, my mom and my dad and, you know, FaceTiming friends and things that usually I'd be too, quote unquote, busy. And it has been uh, a really good reminder of like what truly matters. So those are two things that I know I'm going to carry with me. 
And last, last but not least, I just want to talk about hopelessness and faith. Because, yes, I'm doing this supplement protocol and all these things on the healing side. And I, I just like can't even explain enough how important it is to have faith in this situation. And it doesn't have to be religious faith. I'm, I'm not talking about religious faith. But faith that I'm healing. Faith in something greater than myself that is helping me heal. And I can say on the few weeks... And, and look, I'm going to say something that might be a bit drastic, but I can almost guarantee anyone who's been through any situation like this, whether it's a chronic illness, has thought about taking their own life. And it's, I, I, the thought came up for me, again, I, I don't want to like sound off the sound alarms. I'm totally fine. But I, again, I think if you're going through this experience, it'd be a lie to say you haven't thought about that experience. And then there was like one or two weeks where I was thinking about that. Again, not seriously, just like thinking about it in my head. And the reason I was thinking about it is because I felt trapped. I felt hopeless. I felt like I was, there was no, do- like the doctors were telling me they didn't know what was wrong. And I feel goddamn awful. My life as I knew it is kind of slipping. And it was just this feeling of hopelessness of like, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to be able to work out again. Um, I'm never going to be able to just like for one minute feel like this buzzing, heady fatigue just not in my head. So those are really rough moments. And that's where I think the people around us and, you know, coming back to some of these foundations of the spiritual work I've been doing can help lift out. And I've gotten out of those funks, and again, I'm not naive, and I, I'm sure there'll be many of them on the, on the journey ahead for me. But faith is just the most important thing. When I do have faith, and I can kind of relax and just trust, it, it do, it's a different feeling, and I swear it affects my physiology. I notice it, you know, and now, of course, we're realizing how interconnected we are, and the mind and body are not separate. They're interconnected. So really just choosing to have faith has been huge for me. So thanks for listening to this um, ramble of sorts, and uh, I'm excited to get back into the flow of things. You can expect some great interviews coming up. Um, I'm excited for the next two, which I recorded back in October, and they're excellent. So if you have questions for me, just shoot me a message. Um, And again, thank you. I know so many of you listening have been so supportive on this journey, and I can't thank you enough, uh, really, like I was saying with relationships. So Here we are, upwards and onwards on the healing journey. 